0: So I grew up in a very agricultural-centric community. The name of the town that I grew up in is actually Farmington, and so farming is not only a part of the culture, but also part of the literal name. Even in my own family, agriculture is a big deal. Of course, my family has raised goats, and sheep, and rabbits, and even at one point we had a llama, so. But there was also this love for working with the soil to grow beautiful flowers and vegetables. Many of my relatives, my grandma, my aunts, my mom, really love to garden. Take my aunt, for example, she's a master gardener, so she's just a well of knowledge about all things plants. Of course, my dad likes to take advantage of this, like when they were visiting a couple weeks back and we went to the Denver Botanical Gardens, he decided that he needed to take a picture of all of the random plants to send to his sister, my aunt, so that she could identify them. But my dad being my dad aside, This love in my family for working with the soil and growing beautiful plants was passed on to me. So if I'm looking for wisdom and advice on what to plant in my little porch garden, or if the leaves of my spider plant or my mom plant aren't looking quite right, or if I want to know how likely it is that I'm going to kill the plant that I just bought because it's notoriously difficult to take care of, I have a wealth of knowledge in my family to reach out and get answers with and offer guidance uh, in difficult situations. And it was this image of wisdom and insight being passed down from generation to generation that came to me when I was reading the excerpt from Paul's letter to Timothy that we'll hear from Brittany this morning.
1: The reading today is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed for I know the one in whom I have put my trust and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living within us. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Let's just highlight a verse on the illustrator. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. What a beautiful image Paul is painting of faith being passed down from generation to generation. A faith that offers hope in tomorrow and the promise of new life literally growing with a family tree through the generations. Because you see, this is what makes a church community so special. Because it offers a space where generations can come together in this life of faith and strengthen each other with wisdom and insights from all the generation coming together. But then, of course, we have to step outside. Step outside the sanctuary of this building or outside of the sanctuary of our living rooms or our kitchen. And we're hit with the brokenness of the world and the heaviness of the sinful systems of power that we humans have created. This is where we find our disciples in our gospel reading for this morning from Luke 17. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to them, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what is commanded? So you also, when you have done all the things that you were ordered to do, say, We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. Woof. Uh, Let's unpack that a little bit. So to highlight how our gospel begins on the illustrator, again, we look at Luke chapter 17, verse 5, which begins with this request from the apostles, those who were following Jesus, to increase their faith. I can imagine that they were witnessing the suffering and the hunger and the injustices of the world that were running up against what Jesus was teaching them about this new life. And they assumed that everything would be fixed if they just had a little bit more faith. I mean, I certainly have had times when I've thought this way, when I've heard or seen the latest news stories or the climate reports, or someone cuts me off on my drive home, and I think, this is the inbreaking kingdom of God? This is the new life that you, God, have promised me? This, really? I think you need to give me a little bit more. I can't do this on what you've provided me. I need you to increase my faith. But you see, this is where things get interesting, because Jesus says in response to the disciples, essentially, no, you know, with a few more letters thrown in there saying, as will appear on the illustrator in Luke 17, verse six, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Ah, You gotta love Jesus for always giving us those straightforward answers. but I think we can get there. So let's back up for a second and look at the moments in the Gospels when Jesus has praised people's faith. We have the woman who anoints Jesus' feet out of recognition for who he is and preparing him for death and resurrection. We also have the Samaritan leper who turned back to thank Jesus for healing him. We have the hemorrhaging woman who touched Jesus' cloak. We have the blind beggar who says, who Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And we even have a Roman centurion whose faith was said to be greater than all in Israel. So what is the common thread that brings all of these people together who Jesus commends their faith? My friends, they turn to him. They turn towards Jesus. They put their trust in the one bringing about new life, even when it's difficult, even when it's painful, even when it's risky. They embrace the goodness, the healing, the justice, the mercy that Jesus has to offer. If you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, maybe instead of a straightforward no answer from Jesus, we can think of Jesus' answer as you do, you have faith already. You have faith because you have seen Jesus and you know Jesus. Faith then is no longer quantifiable. It's not an emotion or an idea. It's not even a noun. Instead, faith becomes an action, an engagement, a way of orientating our lives. Faith is an every-minute movement into the God-saturated, God-centered, new life that we are created for and called into. You see, friends, here is the difference. By having faith, our tendency is to hold on to it for ourselves, to put it into a box for protection, or put it on a shelf for safekeeping. But by embracing our calling and doing faith, the seeds of God's kingdom are spread throughout the world. We are called to do faith, spreading the seeds of love, the seeds of forgiveness, the seeds of invitation, the seeds of welcoming. Because in this, in doing faith, we begin to recognize that in the brokenness And the cracks of the world, the seeds of God's love and mercy and forgiveness are growing into trees of hope, trees of peace, and trees of new life. I worked as a chaplain at a children's hospital in Columbus, Ohio, and on my drive down Main Street to work every day, I drove past a mural with a quote that said, They tried to bury us, but they didn't know that we were seeds. Friends, this is the power of the faith that we're called into. As much as the world and the sinful systems, the power that we have created, try to bury, cover, or weed out, the seeds of faith keep growing. The kingdom of God keeps inbreaking, and we are called from death into new life. Amen.